Good morning. How are you, dear? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's been a nice morning. I'm sitting here with the doors open and listening to all the birds outside. Oh, how nice. Before it gets too hot and then I have to close everything up. <laughs> yeah, that's what we did. We got the house fan on. We're trying to cool the house down before it gets hot. And... <sighs> good morning, Courtney. Good morning, Camson. Good morning. Good morning. How y'all doing today? I'm going to go out and invite a few people in. So you guys just keep holding this conversation together. Now, what did I do? <laughs> it was nice to have a, I hope everybody had some fun last weekend. And it was a, it was a weird weekend because it was nice to have the extra time off, but it, there was an usual case, I guess. The, the world news was not, not awesome. Uh, there was a lot happening that was a damper, but I hope some folks got some relaxation time at least. Well, y'all, I got COVID, so that was my fun thing this past week, I guess it is, and I unfortunately had, uh, I got pretty sick for about three days, but I'm doing a lot better now. It was not, not good at all. Yeah, that's terrible, but I'm glad you're feeling better. You sound great. You sound like you've got more energy and you're feeling better too. Yeah, what's amazing is I, as I think I shared with you is to work in a hospital, an acute hospital for the entire pandemic and then go on one little trip <laughs> like two weeks ago and get COVID is like infuriating. <laughs> I'd never gotten it before that. That's, that's what just blows my mind. It's unbelievable. Yeah, right. That is mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a lot that we could probably unpack in what's going on there, but we'll just leave that there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Let's see here. I'm going to just go in and ping a few people in. See if I can grab some of our regulars here. Where's uh, Rita? Hey, stand by, guys. We'll get you in here and get, get things going here in just a moment. Oh, good. I like your background music. Nice. Uh, nice to add a little vibe. 26. It's called 26 by uh, Camp. C-A-A-M-P. Oh, nice. Haven't seen Artie in a while. Maybe maybe he'll come and jump in here with us. Yeah, I know we're getting into summertime, as even last weekend. You know, it's like I know a lot of folks are taking their weekends to probably take some trips and do some different things while the weather's nice. So that's where I think we'll probably have a couple other times where we're doing doing similar things on this side. But it's uh, it's always nice to take take breaks, and that's where replays become great. We always have the replays available, and so everybody can. Check it out and listen and share it as needed or listen to it offline. Yeah. Hey, Gary. Good morning. All right. Well, good morning. On, that note, on that note, I want to just get this this uh, clubhouse going so we can start our great content today. So welcome to everyone um, who are here today and took time out of their Saturday morning to join us 
here in the Learning to Lead Clubhouse. We meet every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 Pacific Standard Time. I'm Tamara White, and I'm here with Kelly White, and we're your hosts for this clubhouse. We created this forum as a, a place where we could talk about everything leadership, you know, not just the challenges, but also the achievements and all the uh, tips and everything in between. And in addition, it's really a, a forum where, you know, you can learn, hone your leadership skills, either by investing in yourselves or others in the room. We, uh, we always have a, va a vast variety of leaders from all industries and all levels that bring a broad diversity to us uh, in the discussion with experience and perspective. So we always have great conversations. And whether you're entry level or seasoned, this is a forum where we can learn and support each other on our leadership journeys. So just a couple of little quick housekeeping pieces. Um, welcome to those on the stage and in the listening lounge. We encourage you to follow our clubhouse, the little greenhouse at the top. There's a little icon there you can click on. Also encourage you to follow others in the room because this is a network of uh, a community of like-minded leaders. Um, you can communicate with us several ways. There's a chat feature that you can also DM us or you can visit our Substack website as well, where we have recordings of all of our clubhouse discussions, as well as recaps that we uh, write, uh, put some writing about what we talked about, as well as tools and tips and other articles that we post on Substack. And then we also do that on LinkedIn. So you can take advantage of those replays. So we also would encourage you to subscribe to our Substacks website where you can access, again, all the content, all the recordings, and we will be expanding and adding more um, tools and um, additional um, sections in that area for leaders in particular. So thank you again for joining us on Saturday morning. I'm going to yield the mic over to Kelly. Get us going. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. And as a reminder, um, we, we always set up because we do have replays. So if you think someone would enjoy what we talk about here or one of the sessions really resonates with you and you want to share it, um, you can always share the replays on uh, our Substack. They do replays here in, in Clubhouse as well. So uh, any folks that come in and follow our group or Clubhouse can, can see all the past replays. Um, I still am keeping an eye out for when we might have other other platforms that we might use. I know a lot of folks have been testing it. Twitter has spaces and I'm still waiting for maybe LinkedIn to actually officially launch their their audio room. So be on the lookout. If we do move okay. and try to try out different features and different platforms, we will let this group know first. Um, so with that, I always like to do our moment of reflection, which is the reminder to check in, see how you're doing, how your week is going. Um, this can be a, a practice that's incredibly meaningful. We've talked about it in past sessions here. You know, the the practice of journaling or you know, journaling daily or what that looks like. And it can be quick, it can be long form, it can be a lot of different ways. But if you haven't really done this, it's really good to just even start with one day uh, or one word that actually would, uh, would summarize how your week went just to check in, maybe keep track of it and see how things are trending for you over time where you have maybe some dips, some valleys, maybe you have, where you have peaks and what's going on in those moments. It's incredibly powerful to look back not only over a week or a month or a year, but longer. And I think especially as we, we talk about our career journeys and as we learn as leaders and try to also impart those insights on others, it's always interesting to have some of those little cheat sheets that you can go back to and really assess moments of growth, of learning, of challenge and how you overcame that. And that was you know interesting part of the, the interview that we did. We're doing some leadership journey interviews where we're going to kind of dig into um, different different leaders and their careers and what they've looked like. And we did that with with Prabha recently, which was wonderful. 
we'll likely be doing more of those. But even as you think about telling your own story, how do you capture that? And what are the moments that you can capture to reflect back on? So as we do this today, it's my favorite part of these sessions. I'm just going to round table and ask you to give me one word that summarizes how your week went. And if you're busy or you're running or I know people are on the go, um, I'll give you a few seconds. If I don't hear anything, we're happy to move on. So no pressure, but I'll start with Courtney. All right. Thanks. Um, I think the word I'm going to pick is energy. I've just had many situations this week where people have brought great energy into conversations and have brought not so great energy. And it was just a good reminder for me that the energy that I bring is, um, I just have to be very thoughtful about that and aware. Um, and so I'm going to pick energy. That is such a good reminder because it's, it's really interesting to start to tune in and pay attention to that. And then not only pay attention to that in others, but turn it around and pay attention to it in ourselves. So such a great reminder. So thank you for sharing that with us. Tamsin. Good morning. I'm going to go with grounded. I'm really getting my feet under me in my new role and I'm leaning into it a lot. So sorry, I'm, my connection's a little weak. So that's it. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing and glad to hear that. Gary. I'm going to go with relaxed. It's been a busy week, but today I just woke up, you know, nice and calm and relaxed and sitting on the deck and I've put the week behind me. So relaxed. Fantastic. I hope you keep that going all weekend long. Chuck, good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, I'd say relaxed. I had some nice long weekends this summer and um, yeah, just kind of enjoying the, um, the summer and in our new place. Congratulations. Glad to hear you moved in. Yes, absolutely. We know that's a huge, it's a huge effort to move. So now you get to just enjoy it. And I'm glad to hear that relaxation has entered. I'm Marita. Good morning. Good morning. I, uh, I will say my week was, um, uh, like a week that I was the most proud of. Uh, I, my team, uh, actually our week started last week, Saturday, and it was a, a mission critical, um, week for us. And uh, we had so many last minute changes and yet um, we pulled it off. And, uh, and so it, and it was a success. And it was so amazing as we started the week, we had already accomplished something big. And just two days after that, uh, my team got a shout out in our uh, all hands. So it was just amazing. The entire week was a week. We were just taking our victory lap and, I, I couldn't be any more happy. Like this was the one of the best weeks I've had in July. <laughs> wow. wow, that's so good to hear. Congratulations. And it's it's great that you can hear it in your voice. And it's great that you not only feel really accomplished in your team, really accomplished the, the task at hand, but it's great to also hear the recognition and, and really creating the space for your both yourself and your team to feel that victory of accomplishment. That's equally important to to getting the work done, which can be very challenging at times. Yep. Thank Wonderful. you. Wonderful. Mako, good morning. I'm a hot mess. I got nothing right now. All right. Well, we'll welcome you into to listening and feel free to add your gems of wisdom whenever they come I, I, to well, you. I'm literally on a boat. I'm trying to fix my newsletter. Like I'm on a tethered via two cellular devices. I, I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm, I just, I'm just going to listen. <laughs> 
Hey, we got you. We got you. We'll give you some in- positive energy. Thanks for being here. Darius, good Hi. morning. Hello. Uh, so for me, it was rejuvenating. So actually, I did a test cruise on our new Disney Wish ship. And it was both very renewing from a personal standpoint to check out from work for a few days, but also kind of from a to see our, you know, our product, what it's actually like, the physical embodiment of what we do um, was really, it's the pixie dust as some of us who've been here before know. So I'm renewed from a work standpoint and renewed from a personal standpoint. That's great to hear. I'm so glad you were able to go and do that. And, and uh, you know, being at Disney, I totally know what exactly what you mean. It's that that replug in and, and similar to even when Umbrita was hitting on, you know, something like, you know, a new cruise ship being built and launched and tested is a huge endeavor. And it's wonderful to see what was able to come together as a result of, of many, many, many people coming together and being able to experience that and then know that that's something that others can experience. So I'm glad you were able to, to go and do that. I, I'm hearing a lot of reviews from a lot of folks and the ship looks amazing. Highly recommend. Wonderful. Tamara. Iceberg, dead, dead ahead. Iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I'm kind of like mixed between gratitude and uh, accomplished. Uh, gratitude because I was just mentioning earlier in the call here that I had, I, I got, I caught COVID. I went to see my father and stayed very isolated and luckily, and unluckily, she said, fortunately got COVID. I, I got pretty sick a few days, but I'm doing fine now, but I'm a nurse by trade. I've worked in hospitals most of my career and I worked in them for the entire pandemic and never got it. And of course, you know, you just, this fluky thing happens. So I'm grateful for that reason. And I also feel quite accomplished because I'm uh, trying to get my, and, and, and probably Chuck, you can relate to this too, is get this website going for my business um, as well as, you know, some other things going. And uh, it was, it's a big learning curve for me because I'm not, I'm not in technology per se. I have some tech experience, but not like a lot of the others of you that work in that industry. But I feel accomplished because I created something, I have something going, and I at least, at least I'm taking some gigantic steps forward. So that's my word for this week. Fantastic. And again, yeah, it's a, it's a blend. I can totally understand what you're saying based on, you know, the health challenges of, of ha- the adventures of traveling in the world again um, in COVID, but also, yes, make, you know, the accomplishment of, of moving forward your, your coaching business, which is, is fantastic. And we'll hear more about, I'm sure, as it, it continues to grow. Um, so I would say probably I would use productive. I did have a couple of days off um, before the 4th of July weekend. So I had an extra long uh, weekend, which was really lovely. It gave me a really nice break that I know that I needed. Uh, I did a really good job of unplugging. I don't inst- uninstall apps because it's just, then I have to uninstall them again and I don't want to do that. So I did do a trick though, which is that I moved every work app to the third screen on my phone where nothing was. So I had to very actively go to that screen to see anything there. Um, and it really allowed me to compartmentalize and turn off and check out. And knowing that anybody who needed to get a hold of me knew exactly how to get a hold of me, but I wasn't going to have any of those channels with any of those indicators counting up, showing me that I had a number of emails coming in. And it actually really worked. And it was really nice to step back to check out. And the result was not only a break, but 
being able to have a really productive week this week because I came back refocused, re-energized and, and charged and accomplished a lot, got a lot of work done. It was really, really meaningful. So, so a great productive week, I will say. Yes. And also an excellent example of setting some boundaries. Yes. And trying to reinforce that for my team. So I did a very good job of not emailing anybody or responding to any emails really until Tuesday morning when I got back to the office to show them that it's okay. We can take time off and we can take care of ourselves and set those boundaries and everything will be fine and we'll come back and the work will still be there. Um, and of course, we've talked about many times before, empowering people to to take charge and 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 cover that, that thing just don't need to stop because someone's out of office. So I wanna jump into our topic today. So we have been for the last couple of weeks digging into Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. It's a, a great book. Tamara actually recommended this, this book and it's something that I've received a lot of positive feedback from folks who have read it and really enjoyed it. And what we're really digging into are the concepts within this book. And we started with just kind of defining what is the multiplier effect and talking about you know, what is a multiplier versus what is a diminisher and kind of the traits within both of those, because I think it's important for us to know that like most things, it's not about polar opposites or it's not about choosing one way or the other in a very black and white context, but it's about more understanding both of what's going on around us, what's going on within us and how we are showing up and how we're flexing between different styles as we've talked about leadership styles, but also how we are thinking about and continuing to grow our understanding of who we are as leaders and how we show up. So we started there last, the last time we spoke, which is about two weeks ago, we really started talking about the talent magnet and what it means to attract, not only attract talent, but unlock talent. And what does it mean to foster talent and thinking about that through the lens of, again, what do we do to invest in our talent? What do we do to create a space that attracts that talent? but also making sure that as we're thinking about our team, we're still making the hard choices and hard decisions to, to manage through difficult situations when someone may not be ready to operate the level that we need them to be or the rest of the team is, we can't look away from that or ignore it. That's, that's the hard part of leadership, but that's what we need to do. So this week, we're gonna start talking about another lens or another vector of multipliers, which is the tyrant versus the liberator. And, you know, like most of the terms, they're, they're very um, dramatic, I think, on purpose. But, you know, really understanding, again, another lens of how we can understand where we can grow and expand both ourselves and others, and where might we hold others back or ourselves back. And so when we go through this today, you know, think about it not only as yourself, as a leader of others, but also yourself individually, and then the leaders that maybe you have had in your past, your present, or who you aspire to work with in the future. So what we're gonna go through today is we're gonna talk a little bit about, you know, what is a tyrant versus a, a liberator? And then we're gonna go through really the three practices to embody what it means to be a liberator and what you can actually do to bring that to life for yourself and your team. So. Throughout the conversation, of course, I will create space for you to share your thoughts, you know, what's resonating with you, what you have maybe a reaction to, or maybe where you have actually embodied some of this or have some practices that you've leveraged. So to jump in, the, the tyrant is sometimes also called the tense leader. And this is somebody who can often create an environment that really embodies a lot of stress and anxiety, fear and intimidation. This is somebody who often does not give people control over their own performance. 
And they sometimes will overexert their will on an organization. And that can cause others to shrink back, to retreat, to hold back, to not feel safe to speak up. People don't want to stand out. They want to blend in with others because they don't want to be targeted, right? It can be very intimidating to be around a tense or tyrant leader. This is a serious leader who can often lean into this where they, they are more about embodying a seriousness. And they're not much more about this idea of, you know, welcoming people. The approach is much more about what can you do for me, not what can I do for you? And these people can also sometimes have an unpredictability. Who's going to show up at any given day? And I'm sure you probably have seen people like this in your past. You never know what version of that person you're going to get. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. And they often fail to meet targets and goals, which is understandable when we talk about the multiplier, which is about unlocking capability within others, unlocking their ability to show up and do their best work. So as we think about the opposite of this, the liberator, which I love the way that it's described, is the intense leader. This is a leader that creates an environment that requires concentration, diligence, and energy but they encourage people to think for themselves and experience a deep obligation to do their best work. They are respected with a reputation as being fair and consistent, calm and confident. They seek the inputs of others and they really important here, create space for people to step up and learn. And as part of that, they help them see and, and ask questions about how can things be improved and empower them to ask those questions and try new approaches and try to fix problems themselves, which versus looking to that leader to have all the answers and dictate how things need to happen. They keep the focus on what they're able to control and they help people learn rapidly and adapt to new environments. And they really foster an environment that is about collaboration. And it's about really helping our teams come together to solve complex problems and get difficult tasks accomplished. So when you hear these two descriptions, I mean, it kind of becomes like a no-brainer. I don't want to be the tyrant. I don't want to be the tense leader. I want to be the intense leader. So first, again, always understanding and make sure that we're, we're being honest with ourselves and looking at where some of that, that tense leader might show up. There are situations where it might show up for all of us. And it's about understanding first within ourselves. And then also, again, as we think about the leaders around us, who we aspire to work with and learn from, and what are they embodying, and how often are they showing up as the intense leader versus the tense leader. So I'm going to jump into the three practices for how you can really embody and lean into this idea of the liberator, the intense leader. And it's really about three practices, creating space, demanding people's best work, and generating rapid learning cycles. So as I go through the first one, creating space, I will ask you all to be thinking about this. And if you have you know, thoughts to share on maybe how you've created space for others around you or how space might have been created for you based on a leader. So what does it mean to create space? Well, we all know everyone needs space. They need space to contribute, space to think, and space to work. And deliberators deliberately make that space for others so that they can make a contribution. They release others by restraining themselves. This is really important. Resist the temptation to jump in and solve. Resist the temptation to jump in and answer. And give people the space to think and to have their own opinion and to create that space where they can think about what would be the answer. They resist the overplaying of their own ideas by creating room for others. 
And I think this is always a really challenge. You know, when you get somebody's being in a room where people are looking to the leader, give me the answer. How do we step back and create some space so that they can come to some conclusions themselves and we can provide that then guidance versus those, those solutions. They use their presence where they can have the greatest impact and they sit in a space of curiosity, letting others lead and promoting creative thinking and working. And I love this quote by CK Prawlad, how smart you are is defined by how clearly you can see the intellect in others. So if we are thinking about creating space, you know, there's two ways that we can really start to do this, which is, I think really important. We've talked about it a lot, shifting our ratio of listening to talking. And as we grow in our careers, it's very frequent that again, you know, folks will look to us to have the answers, to give an opinion, to make a decision. But it's really important that we create the space where we're focused more on listening than talking. And I love this term. How can we become ferocious listeners where we are listening to learn and understand what others know, adding to the reservoir of knowledge? And this means that our one-on-ones should really be 80% listening and 20% talking, seeking to understand, giving our presence being present where we are, not distracted or multitasking or, you know, reading emails or having pings come in, but we're present with that person and we're listening to understand where they are, what they need, what's happening in their reality and wanting to understand that and asking questions to get to the heart of the matter. And we also have to equally, in addition to listening, level the playing field. This is a really interesting concept because inherently at a certain level, of your career or a certain level of expertise, your voice is going to be inherently advantaged. You're going to have more weight in the room based on who you are, what you've aspired to be, be it an influential thought leader, you know, an expert or a senior executive. So it's really important that we number one, understand that, but make sure that we are not allowing others to be muffled or other voices to be stifled. And that means that sometimes we have to help use our position or our advantage to create that space so that we are leveling the playing field, that we can give advantage to ideas and voice and the voices that are at the lower end of the playing field that need to be maybe elevated and empowered to speak up. And liberators, again, it's, it's about this going back to creating space so that everyone can feel empowered to speak up and to share. And ultimately, this creates an opportunity to really expect and see and realize extraordinary work in return. So I said a lot there about this idea of creating space and its practice, as well as the the definitions of thinking about tyrants and liberators. I want to pause here. Are there, you know, reactions or things that stand out to you? Or also, are there things that you've done that kind of you feel like now start to fall into the space of creating, creating space or thinking about listening versus talking and what that's looked like for both yourself as well as yourself as a leader? I can jump in. Um, you know, I, I used to think I, w- I was a really good listener and a really good influencer uh, in, in my team. And I went through some executive coaching at the end of last year. And and the feedback I got was kind of surprising. Um, it, it was, uh, I guess the, the first thing was Gary always need Gary is always the smartest person in the room, which is not true. But when Gary comes to a meeting, he has to win. He comes with all the data, um, he lays it out there and always gets his own way, which I, I, I felt was like, oh my God, why, why do people think this? This isn't true. 
because I would normally sit in a room and and listen for the majority of it before I start to put my point forward. But what I actually realized I, I was doing, I, I, I was really trying to sort of force my opinion on people with facts. And I generally did walk out getting my way. But what I really should have been doing is asking questions throughout that whole time to get people round to the way that I was thinking and getting them to sort of come up with the ideas in, uh, th that I was trying to sort of push forward rather than being the person there who's saying, look, we should do it this way and here's why. And here's my justification and, and laying it all out there. Um, and everybody going, okay, but nobody really feeling bought into it. They're just like, okay, makes sense. But if you ask more questions and you bring people along uh, the journey with you and you make it more their idea, then you're going to get more buying and it helps with the collaboration. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, I think both from just the honesty of having that moment of, of reflection and, and again, sometimes seeing, we talked about this before, right? Understanding and seeing how we might perceive ourselves may not be the way others perceive us and how we, how we can adjust. And very much to your point, there is an aspect of bringing others along of a journey, right? And asking the questions and helping to teach and inform and to some extent helping them to reach the conclusion um, and or maybe reach a conclusion that we didn't expect because maybe it's 80% what we thought we were gonna do, but it's 20% something new because a new perspective was brought to the table. And that is really something that we can do, not only ourselves by being open-minded, but exactly to your point, by asking questions and helping people think about where we're going and why and how we're solving the problem and empowering them to go on that journey versus just kind of getting to the conclusion. Yeah, and I just wanted to also say that, you know, uh, you hit on something that is is part of a lot of what we've talked about in many of our sessions about, you know, just that higher level of consciousness that you gained from the working with the, the executive coach and um, and and the, just the, the value of feedback in general, you know, and this is something that, you know, is is. Um, so important and so valuable to a leader is to get real true honest feedback because oftentimes we don't see ourselves the way others do so um being vulnerable enough you know you don't always have to have an executive coach you can you can hire a private coach you can also ask people that are closest to you that know you even your family or your friends or your personal board of directors to give you feedback on on you know how how you present yourself that is a huge investment and uh, all the, wow, power to you. I, I love that you shared that. I had a couple more things I just wanted to make some points about. And that was that um, in terms of space, um, in, in, in making space for uh, others, you know, I think what comes, what I walk away with is that this is where you promote creativity. This is where you create a safe place for people to, to, to uh, find their voices, you know, like I always say, you know, speak, even if your voice, if, even if your voice is shaking, right, you want people to start to feel comfortable and confident that they can share their ideas. And that takes time. And it takes the leader to be quiet and, and to be thoughtful and to listen and to ask the questions, um, like you, like Gary just shared. Um, and, and the important part about that piece as well is that you're actually reducing the stress within the group. You know, stress comes in many, many different forms. It comes from emotional, physical, environmental, spiritual, mental, 
social, it comes from lots of different aspects of where, where a human being is in terms of their confidence and in terms of how comfortable they are. And by, you know, reducing the stress, that's where you promote all those other pieces. And I heard a really great, um, uh, idea from somebody recently that I thought was wonderful is it's an equation that performance and remember the 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 in, is it intense Kelly let me look here again um the intense leader the liberator is the multiplier the one who wants who grows people who you know helps them gain the skills uh, advance higher levels of skills they want to you know promote them up upward they want to see their growth and with that being said this equation, so listen carefully, performance equals your potential minus interference. And interference is stress. It's what's getting in the way. It's kind of like putting two ribs, two fingers in your ribs and it hurts while you try to talk about what you're trying to talk about. It's the distractions that, in, that interfere with us fully being able to tap into our full performance. So as a leader, it's getting the ribs, getting the fingers out of the ribs. It's getting the stressors out of the way, getting people comfortable. And that's when we can help them to really step into their full potential. So just a couple of uh, ways of looking at this. And again, I really appreciate your, your sharing the idea about the feedback that you got, Gary, and being vulnerable enough to, to be receptive to that, because I'm sure that took you a long way. So thank you, everyone. Yeah, well said. I, I think on on a different note, and you know, to your to your analogy of 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 stressful situations, um, this feels tangential and more comedic, but I'll share it anyway. Which is, if anybody hasn't watched the show Hot Ones, um, I immediately thought of that when you were talking about it because Hot Ones is about um, and celebrities of all sorts go on the show. It's I highly recommend it. It's probably some of the best interviews you'll see with with the, those folks. And they eat hot wings with really super hot sauce. And it goes up in the amount of heat as the interview goes on. But it's interesting because uh, aside from being very entertaining to watch people go through this, um, it actually has a, 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 an interesting different effect on stress where there's sometimes the stress in the way that you're talking about it, Tamara. In this regard, the, the, the stress that's being introduced in the setting of this interview with the hot sauce actually is a very interesting effect on helping people lower their barriers. And it, and it takes these individuals who do interviews pretty much for a living as part of what they have to do to promote their work. And it diffuses all ego and all the things that might come into that, just give the canned response and allows them to be a little more human and a little bit more revealed. And it's very interesting and again, very entertaining, but it's an interesting way to think about how how a different kind of stressor i will use that word can actually help us you know bring down some barriers and become a little bit more ourselves and less guarded okay on that note and my, my random tangent i'm going to move us on into the next practice um which is about demanding people's best work so we talked a lot even about the, the idea of the, the talent magnet, that it's not just about attracting the best talent, but it's about unlocking that talent and leading into that and helping them to expand and grow and, and be their kind of best potential and continue to expand um, and often sometimes leave our teams, right? To go to new opportunities, to bigger opportunities and helping to foster that for them versus hoarding them as the, the, the opposite, you know, the diminisher effect, hoarding talent, the best talent, 
and, and not letting them be their best selves or show up in the, their full capability. So demanding people's work is very much a part of what the liberator is also doing, which is that the liberator may ask, is this your best work? They may challenge people to think about and evaluate their own work very much in the idea of even what Gary was hitting on, that, that idea of self-awareness and self-assessment and gathering inputs and understanding who we are, but also what are we capable of? And, you know, I was having a conversation even with, with someone this last week, and we were talking about how we still realize and feel these moments of intimidation where maybe we're not ready for something, or maybe we're not the right person for an opportunity. And there's those fears that come in, but the liberator is the one that helps us see that this is an opportunity that's worthwhile for us and helps push us and helps us to step out of that fear and to be into bigger opportunities. So both as, as leaders, how do we do that for others, but also how do we see that in ourselves as we think about the leaders around us? And they, they expect people's best thinking. So again, when we think about the differences between multipliers and diminishers, you know, multipliers aren't just everybody get along, it's happy and wonderful, let's all have a great time. It is also about expecting great results and demanding the best thinking and challenging each other to show up to the best of our ability. And that's where the growth happens. And that's why it's rewarding to work with these types of leaders. They recognize when people are offering their best and they give them the opportunity to push beyond those previous limits. And that's incredibly challenging, but it's incredibly rewarding. And the key reason why people report that multiply, this is the key reason that why most people report that multipliers get more than 100% from their teams. And it's about you know people wanting to do this work because inherently they're receiving growth. It is the epitome of a win-win. When we have teams that feel rewarded, successful, challenged, invested in, safe, they show up as the best version of themselves because it's about where they're going in their career, what is unlocked within themselves, as well as what they are contributing to their team and to their leader. So I'm going to pause there before I go to the last practice. Um, any thoughts or reactions or you know things that you've experienced around this idea of you know, either where maybe you have been in a situation where you've had a leader that is like a liberator that demands the best from you. And then maybe what you do with your own team and what that experience has been for you on demanding the best from those around you. Well, I'm going to jump in there and add a little bit more too. And I think about, you know, I, I love this whole idea of asking, and I've actually done it before, where I've asked some of my team, you know, is, is this your best work? And they kind of look at you like you have three heads, like, why are you asking me that? Right. And, and, and I'll let them know, like, there's not a right or wrong answer. This is not a challenge. I'm just asking you, is this your best work? And, and, and it's interesting to see the responses of, of people and that half, a lot of times they will go back and they'll, you know, uh, here's some space, here's some time, go take a look at it. If you feel like it's your best work, then give it to me. If you, if you think there's more you need to do, go ahead and do it. My word of caution is probably more to myself as a leader in, in the area of perfectionism, right? Be, and, and some of us have talked about this in the past, that this is one area where we have to, sometimes things don't have to be perfect, you know, and, and we can, if we get too caught up in best work, we could fall, fall into perfectionism or even push other people into perfectionism. So there's kind of this, you know, this fine line that we walk but I, I just wanted to put that that little slant in there um, because we have to make sure that we're, you know, we're 
um, giving context around it, that we're helping people to, you know, to challenge themselves and look at how they can do things differently versus striving for 100% perfectionism as a de definition of best work. I think that's, that's really important thing too, is also some of that is how you push them to their best work depends on the individual. And like the example, Tamara, that you just gave, you know, I've had people on my teams in the past who are brilliant, but they suffer from like imposter syndrome. And sometimes those people, if you push them, like is your best work, it just adds even more stress to the point where they can't even like function as much. So I think some of it too is looking at the individual, how do you do that? But I think that, um, I think that's a key thing. Take the individual and don't take a blanket approach, approach across your whole team. Um, oops, sorry, sorry, I was trying to get off mute there. Um, one of my questions to you would be, um, if you were trying to build confidence in one of your, you know, one of your people you work with or another leader who maybe does, and we all have imposter syndrome, we all have some voice in the back. To some extent, correct. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just, and I'm just curious, you know, as a leader who's a multiplier, who's trying to help somebody grow, gain confidence, really step out and and overcome that fear, what what might you do as a leader to try to get someone to do their best work? Um, for that that type that type of person, I mean, one one thing is I I let them, I try to showcase more, I give them opportunities or show them how the impact of what their work is doing, um, put them in safe spaces to share with say smaller groups, right? I mean, um, you know, just using my example again as someone who has say imposter syndrome. I just read you know after Steve and. You know, Joni Ivey has a it's huge issue of imposter syndrome, right? Didn't like to speak everything else. So for some people, it's worse putting them in front of a, a big audience. But I think um, a lot of the best work is making them not just feel like they're delivering it to me, but more about they're delivering it for a greater good. Like, so for our standpoint, you know, we're looking at focusing on making great guest experiences. So I try to do and sometimes abstract the, it's not that they're delivering and looking at, is this you know, this piece of work the best, but more, is it giving the best result for people and, and make them focused more on almost being accountable, not for the work, but for the accountable, for the impact it's having. Beautiful. I, I, I love that. And I think that that's the piece that we as leaders need to take away from these kinds of conversations is to really think about how might we apply it. And again, with the awareness, which is so key here, that you're that you're demonstrating as a leader, the awareness of the impact of your you maybe saying to somebody what I just said is this your best work, right? It's how did I, how did I say it? What context did I give them? How did I support them? Their growth, etc. Chuck, anything you want to add? Yeah, I think um, exactly. Sort of like piggybacking on what was just said is that um, connecting the growth of the person by understanding where they want to go from their career, um, connecting their strengths, their ambitions, um, their dreams, and then, you know, looking at where they want to go. And I think, you know, as, as, a, as a leader, you, you play a great role, especially in the networking and connecting space. Um, you know, I think to what Darius was saying, amplifying, trying to figure out a way to um, get them in front of the right audience in the right time, the right place to support, you know, where they want to go. Um, and so and I think, you know, 
having those kind of conversations with them, at, you know, when you coach them on their careers and you get that, that information, it really helps um, everyone and, and how they move forward and their, I guess, um, you know, overall engagement and, and excitement to, to work on what they want to do. Yeah, I love that. All great points and, and really great, great thoughts and additions. So thank you all for sharing that. And again, part of the reason why it's so rewarding to have a live conversation with you all on, on the experiences here and, and the nuances, because again, these things are not, they're not easy. You know, we talk about them at a very high level, but, you know, in, in application, there's a lot of nuance to how you think about, you know, flexing between the different, different people on your team, what, what individuals may need. And, and really, as we embody a multiplier, you know, mindset and practices, you know, how do we get the best out of each one of them, knowing that not every person's going to show up in the same way, be motivated in the same way, um, or, or respond to the same, same practices or same, um, same tools. So how do we flex? So as we get into the last 15 minutes here, I do want to hit on the last practice, which is generate a rapid learning cycle. So I love this quote, you know, from the book, which is, you know, how smart do you need to be to be a multiplier? Smart enough to learn. So we talk a lot, and I think everybody being here is a, is a key point of the continuous learning that's part of being a leader. So liberators are somebody who, who really gives people permission to make mistakes, but there's also this obligation to learn from these mistakes and this cycle and, and fostering this, this process and environment to, to try new things, make mistakes, but then assess and learn from them is really important. So as we think about it, it starts with admitting and sharing mistakes, creating an environment that's equal part pressure, but equal part learning, transparency with mistakes, where we really have to come together openly and debrief, talk about what happened and discuss the learnings and develop creative and, and, and opportunities to, to move forward and to progress. Bring intellectual curiosity for why things didn't work. It's really easy to sometimes when something goes wrong or a mistake happens, it's really easy to err towards the, the space of overcorrection. But instead, if we can come into there with the embracing of intellectual curiosity, we're going to learn so much more from that experience across the board, both ourselves and our teams, creating safety for others to take risks and fail because through the risks is where the real growth happens, both in what we are trying to accomplish as a team, but as individuals. Seek the best thinking by creating a rapid cycle between thinking, learning, making, and recovering from mistakes to generate the best ideas and really create that agile organizational environment. Rapid iteration is about creating an environment where people can bring up risks and deal with mistakes sooner. We want to fail early. It's fast and it's cheaper to do that, but then we can learn from it and we embrace an environment that does foster taking risks, failing, making mistakes, but learning and growing as a result of them. And when we think about the, the opposite, you know, when we talk a lot about all these different practices, the, the diminisher, right, the tyrant, they really approach their environments by, you know, not really having this opportunity to think about the duality of comfort and pressure. It's sometimes easy to go towards a knee-jerk reaction or really going towards either a very militant insistent on ideas or passive indifference to the ideas and works of others. I think that's really important. Sometimes when you think about a diminisher or a tyrant, you know, we think about the overbearing person that might be really opinionated, right? Really maybe more aggressive in their approach and their thinking and their opinions and their, how they want things done. But it's equally dangerous and equally, you know, challenging for a team to grow if you're indifferent about everything, 
if you don't really care, you don't lean in, you don't challenge others. That's a really important area to, to focus on as well. Creating an environment, you know, that's really tense and, and, and really dominating and anxiety inducing. These are things that really is about diminishers. It's about judging others and stifling their thinking. And how do we, again, practice more awareness about how to avoid that and really making sure that, again, as the diminisher might leave little room for others and suffocate their intelligence. You know, the, the, the multiplier is about unlocking, you know, going the opposite of this and making sure that we're not becoming the diminisher who is only about their own opinions and their own ideas and maintaining control. And it's important to know that the path of least resistance is often the path of the diminisher. Becoming a liberator or a multiplier requires long-term commitment. And as we've talked about in past sessions in multiple areas, this is hard work. It's hard work for us as individuals and it's hard work for those around us. And growth and continuous learning and leadership is a constant learning process. So as we think about becoming a leader, uh, as well, I'll open it in a few minutes to just, you know, thoughts as we close out here today, a couple of things that I'll leave you with, which is play fewer chips. When you're a liberator, be thoughtful about when you insert your perspective or your thoughts. You know, really think about when you are speaking up versus when you are listening. Label your opinions. Avoid the quick responses and assure that opinions don't become these disjointed policies or thoughts. Take your time to gather information from others and learn carefully from what's really going on and really understand your views and think about soft opinions where people might consider an opinion versus hard opinions, which might be clear and a specific point of view. Talk up your mistakes. Make sure that you're sharing your own mistakes, what you've learned, how it's impacted you. As we think about opening our conversation with a moment of reflection for our week, it's important that we share our own journey, not just the highs, but also the lows, the mistakes we've made and the learnings that we've had, not just the successes. It gives others permission to fail and to learn and to recover and to embrace that process because that is where often most of our growth is actually realized. Make space for mistakes. Define a space for experimentation, for clarifying when it's okay to fail and when failure is not an option, have these conversations and embrace having a dialogue about that. And again, this opportunity of going back to generating a, a time or an environment or a space and a process that is about continuous learning and continuous experimentation and risk-taking. So I wanna pause there. I would love any thoughts on, of course, anything I just shared around this generating a learning rapid learning cycle or just some of the concepts of becoming a liberator through playing fewer chips, labeling your opinions, talking up your mistakes, or making space for mistakes. So I'll pause there. Would love to hear any of your thoughts or experiences around these topics. So Kelly, I love this. I talk a lot about creating a dynamic learning organization and like that whole learning loop and like, how do you recognize? And I think framing matters. So instead of fail fast, I talk about learn fast. I also think it's important to learn from bright spots. There's so much focus on what went wrong, which matters, and you should talk about that. But I also think it's important to talk about what went right, because that can amplify learning that can also be shared more broadly, um, potentially. So I do believe, and I love Gary's story, like the leader needs to be vulnerable and willing to share 
learning. Um, but I also think there's something to be said for how do you engage the teams in also learning from things that went well um, in addition to things that might have not gone so well? Yeah, I love that. And I'll just add, I think, you know, even to your, your last point, you know, around learning from what went right. I think it's, and, and even to your, your, your previous point on, on, on context and positioning around learning fast versus failing fast. I think it can be as, as simple as even when we start to have conversations that, you know, we are learning from, be it bright spots or mistakes or things that just didn't work. I don't, I, I think it's not even mistakes. We take a risk and something didn't work. I think even positioning the conversation around starting out with what went well, what went right, what did we learn as a result of this versus what went wrong can be really powerful to unlocking a different perspective, a different point of view and how we're framing the conversation towards learning and growth versus failure, mistakes, uh, challenges, which can sometimes go into a very negative space. And, and even going back to Darius's point, some individuals who might err towards you know, imposter syndrome is heavy for them or they're heavy in perfectionism, it can be a really diminishing environment for them if we really focus heavily on only what went wrong as the primary conversation topic. Yeah, I'll jump in, jump in there too. Um, and, and I love that that whole, that, that st statement you said, Courtney, about learn fast, fail fast. I think that's, that's incredibly powerful. And I guess as leaders, we have to really challenge ourselves to think about how do we do this consistently, you know, through, through our, with our leadership on a, on a moment by moment basis. And oftentimes we're having to cheerlead, you know, we really have to be the cheerleaders to, to help people to, again, gain a sense of safety, gain a sense of it's okay that, you know, the other thing about the, the word fail is, you know, first attempt uh, in learning. That's another way of looking at it versus it being a, a complete failure and you, you know, you, you messed up. It was a big, huge mistake. But it makes me recall when I went to the International um, Healthcare Institute, one of the, one of the first ones they had, they had these, uh, the military came in and gave this wonderful presentation about, uh, about this exact thing. They do debriefing consistently on lots of the exercises they do as the military. And one of them was the landing of jets on these ships out in the middle of the sea. And these, they, they, they had, they have like a 1% margin and not even, probably not even a full 1% margin um, for failure to get those, those jets safely down on a ship in the middle of the sea without them crashing or causing a fire, you know, whatever that may be, or just going off the end of the, of the ship. And it, it, and these are 19 year old, 20 year olds, young people that have have to operate at that level of, of perfection, really essentially. And they talked about how they use this idea of debriefing, like you like you talk about, you know, what went well, what didn't go so well, even if the jet landed safely, was there anything we could have done to improve things? And by constantly doing that debrief, it, it allowed, it kind of fostered again, that environment of openness of um, any margin of error. That's okay, because we're going to learn from it, and we're going to tweak it, and we're going to refine it, and we're going to make it better for next time. And the other thing that they really stressed was that regardless of title, it doesn't matter who you could be a general, you're going to be in their debriefing, even on what your role was, which also, again, cultivated 
this environment and this um, culture of of being open and just talking as a team and being creative and continuing to refine how we do our work. Yeah, just chime in. I think I love that example. And I, I think especially what's powerful is the last point that you made, which is that it's not just about us fostering an environment or creating a space where others are learning, but it goes back to, you know, one of the things that we said about how to become a liberator is talking up your own mistakes. Like we have to be in the room equally talking about our role in those risks or those learning opportunities. How are we playing a role in that? And how can we, as we talk about quite frequently, model that behavior for others, show them that it's safe, show them that this is something that we not only are asking them to be a part of and ask themselves to do, but we equally are embracing the process and showing up and to, to learn for ourselves as well, which I think is really important. And no matter what level you uh, reach within your, your leadership journey, that we always are continuing to learn, but we're also continuing to show others that we are learning and we are making mistakes and we are growing from them because we're doing the work to practice this reflection and have these open conversations. Can I go back to uh, something from, from the earlier discussion? Um, I had the opportunity to bring my leadership team together a couple weeks ago, and we had this um, session around five dysfunctions of a team. And I was thinking about some of what we learned through those couple days. And one of the things was around this concept of, you know, an ideal team player is humble, hungry, and smart. And I believe that as a leader, I should be self-aware of where I, you know, am showing up on all three of those dimensions, but I should not declare or self-assess. And here's what I mean. Like I have some leaders who I've seen show up and they say, well, I'm, I'm being humble. I'm demonstrating vulnerability. And it's like, well, you shouldn't have to say it out loud your action should just demonstrate that you're being humble, hungry, and smart. And so um, I just, I, I think there's something to be said for kind of how as leaders do we demonstrate behaviors through actions and take the time to reflect on being self-aware, but also getting the input. And I loved, again, Gary, I loved your, I loved your sharing because I think there's these mechanisms to understand how am I, how am I um, engaging with the broader organization and not assume that I'm showing up in, in a way that's demonstrating like humility or, or being vulnerable. Yeah, it's so important. Thank you for sharing that, Courtney, because I, again, I do think it is, and I love your, love your point. It's often what we say, it's like, if you have to say it, you may not really be doing uh, the thing that you, you think you are. Um, and Mako says this all the time, right? If I, if I give him a shout out, which is, you know, actions over words, you know, it's much more about us, you know, not only, I think, practicing the art of self-reflection to really getting to know and challenge, you know, how we're showing up, you know, in the good and the bad ways, right? This is, and, and bad's a very, probably not the right term to use, but I'll be dramatic on purpose, which is, you know, we have to challenge both the things that we're doing really well and the areas that we still have to grow because we all have those. And I think it's both about self-awareness and reflection that we can do, 
but it is really being uh, open enough to uh, receiving how others may see us, which may not be easy, right? Going back to Gary's point, right? Like Gary's story of experience there, which is, it's not always easy to hear that someone doesn't see us the way that we see ourselves. But if we can actually take that in, assess that and learn from it, it creates so much more opportunity for us versus closing ourselves off from that. So it's a good, it's a great reminder. And I love the way that you framed that even with, with your team, uh, Courtney, and how, how we can bring that to life, which is about, and we've talked about this before in past sessions around getting all these inputs, right? As we start to understand who we are as a leader, how we show up, how we want to be perceived versus maybe how we are actually perceived and trying to close the gap Sorry, between the two. Could you say that again? Jerry thinks I'm talking to her too. I love that, Kelly. That 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 was hilarious. Um, yeah, I agree, and and I think that I just love how how Courtney, you just pulled together probably five weeks of discussions here. You, you're right. It's it's how you show up, and it really is about awareness. Doesn't come, you know, overnight. It takes hard, heavy lifting, you know, to really understand who we are, how we're showing up, what impact we're having on others, um, and that's the value of input. That's the value of you know. Um, self-reflection, introspect, and 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 trying to continually see how we can evolve as a leader because we do have number one, we're always on the stage. People are always watching, listening to everything we do, um, and so you know it, it's really powerful. And and there's there was a a, a quote that I had in last week's um, content, which I think is really powerful, which is nothing grows under a banyan tree. So, you know, when leaders are, are inserting themselves or, you know, lacking self-awareness in, in whatever may be going on, <clears throat> it can really impact, you know, what we're trying to do in terms of pulling out the full potential in others or to grow people or to create the culture or the environment that we want for people to be able to be humble, to be smart, to be able to voice their opinions, etc. And there was another piece I'd put in there about, put it, you know, a leader's door sign. Ignore me as long, ignore me as needed to get your job done because the leader is the Banyan tree. We have to get out of the way. We've got to be, we've got to step into a different level of presence as leaders and continually, I mean, honestly, as you said, continually be trying to raise our level of awareness um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, investing in ourselves to be the best version of ourselves. So we're now down to, we're just, we're a little bit past the hour, but let me just uh, give us a quote here. Um, I, first of all, I want to, the quote I have is, <clears throat> it's by an anonymous um, writer. The greatest danger for most of us is in not, is not that our aim is too high and we miss it, but that it's too low and we actually reach it. So that's uh, the quote. And then I also want to just challenge um, each of you. You can look at, you can consider any of, the, any of these, or you can say, I don't really care about any of them. But here's your challenge for the coming week. Ask for feedback. Ask, you know, a friend, a family member, some anybody you want. You can get really vulnerable and ask your team if you want. But ask somebody for feedback. Ask someone in your own way, in your own supportive way, is this your best work? Another one is monitor your level of awareness, maybe even for a day in any, in any given moment, you know, on a scale of zero to 10, zero, I'm not aware. I had no clue what was going on. I didn't even come in there prepared versus 10. I was hundred percent dialed in. 
Um, share a failure. Share one of your failures with your team. And lastly, you might choose to be a ferocious listener and maybe make some some conscious, um, aware um, notes about how you were a, fear, a ferocious leader. So that's your challenge for this week. And on that note, we want to be sensitive to the time. And thank you all for being here today. And we'll uh, close the room out. So thank you once again, everyone, for taking time out of your Saturday to invest in yourself and others. Thank you all. Thank Have you. a great week. Thanks.